Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It is the Palpably Unfair Podcast, episode 14, brought to you by the fine folk at the SB Nation NFL Show. I am your host, Michael Kist, and joining me, as always, is the incomparable and the incorrigible Kyle Posey. Kyle, big show today, brother. How you doing? Doing well, man. Looking forward to it. How's life? Everything is peachy keen here in the year of 2020, as we're going to discuss as we kind of get into this thing. But guys and gals, let's set the table for today's feast Today on the Palpably Unfair podcast, we are going to be joined by a very special guest. He is Denver Broncos running back Melvin Gordon, a six-year pro in the NFL. He's going to be breaking down some film with us, answering some other questions, much more. We're going to have some fun. So you've got that interview coming your way in just a little bit. Hang tight, because before that, we are going to talk about the Ravens-Cowboys game from last night. We're going to talk about the quarterback performances of Week 13. And then later, we're going to get to Kyle's three defensive MVPs, one from each level of the defense. So we have got plenty to talk about today. Quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review, especially in Apple Podcasts, if you can, as it really helps the feed. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, say your following directions, whatever you like. We really appreciate it. All right, let's get involved. Kyle, while the Baltimore Ravens and Dallas Cowboys showdown on the totally normal Tuesday night football was a great one aesthetically. I mean, I really dug the jersey battle under the lights, thought everybody looked great. The action, though, not as compelling. The Ravens take it 34-17. to The big story in this one, well, there was another one, but as far as on the field action, uh, the Ravens imposing their will on a Cowboys run defense that got their effort questioned pretty harshly by Troy Aikman on the broadcast, rightfully so. In all, 37 carries for 294 yards, two touchdowns. That is a matted box score. And like I said, I don't disagree with Aikman. There have been various points in the season where the Cowboys have looked like they have thrown up the white flag on defense. And they saw that. They made some changes, cut some starters. But here we are again, not too far after that. And just looking at the playoff picture here, the New York Times says this drops the Cowboys playoff odds from 5% to 2%. So chances are that they are cooked. The Ravens, on the other hand, keep their hopes alive, though they are just still the ninth seed. Two spots out with the Raiders in front of them right on the fringe, but they can make headway next week when they take on the five-seed Browns. Uh, the last time those teams met was week one, and the Ravens put a 38-6 to spanking on them on the road. However, I would argue both teams are playing very differently than they were then. Uh, they'll, of course, be previewing that game on Thursday on the Look Ahead, part of the SB Nation NFL show family with Rob Stats Guerrera and RG Ochoa. But Kyle, any takeaways from the Ravens-Cowboys here? Because I got to tell you, there's the NFL deciding to play a football game mere minutes after one of their active players, Des Bryant, receives a positive COVID test. And then there's storming the beaches of Normandy. And I'm having a hard time picking which one showed more bravery. I mean, what are we doing here? Seriously. <laughs> you know it's bad when 
you have to pull a player off like 28 minutes before kickoff and say, oh, by the way, you need to be tested. So, yeah, <laughs> you, you mentioned the bravery before the podcast. I think there are a lot of words to describe what the NFL is doing, and bravery might be top 1,000, maybe. I just don't understand why they're so resistant to the idea of a week 18 that, that uh, number one, the Denver Broncos, and we're going to ask Melvin about this playing without a quarterback Baltimore Ravens having to play without Lamar Jackson last week other teams obviously impacted by it as well we have these strange schedule of games dude at five o'clock Monday I didn't even know there was a game on I I came in like five minutes late to the Steelers game I had no idea what was going on but but Kyle moving moving on from that as the NFL is going to do whenever they receive a positive test uh, we are going to get to our regularly scheduled program uh, on Monday's I try to put together like a top three quarterback performance list to send to you to kind of prep for the show. But Monday night threw me a bit of a curveball. Number one, again, you had the Steelers losing to the Washington football team. They are no longer undefeated, the Steelers, that is. Shout out to Alex Smith. Uh, So there was that. But the one that really shook up the rankings was the performance put on by Josh Allen against the San Francisco 49ers last night. And and Kyle, you, you cover the 49ers. And I I swear I'm not doing this on purpose because their defense seems to be on the wrong end of these every other week. Uh, But it's impossible to keep Cyborg Josh Allen off of this list when he goes for 375 yards and four touchdowns, completed 80% of his passes, just a dynamite performance. And beyond the the unbelievable performance from Allen, uh, the reason this one was interesting to me was because this was a battle of two coordinators that have been heavily discussed when it comes to the head coaching hunt this offseason. Those coordinators are, of course, Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dable and San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala. Robert Sala. There we go. I nailed it. Perfect. On the first time. And Kyle, uh, would it be unfair for me to say that this particular battle looked like, like, you know, when they have those tough men fights or you stumble across like a fight on YouTube and it's very clear that one person actually knows how to throw a punch and then the other person, it looks like they like got gassed just getting into a fighting stance. Like maybe that's unfair, but it certainly looked like Dable had Salah's number in this one, Kyle. Oh, that's perfect. It seemed like Salah was just chasing his tail the entire game and they really didn't have an answer for Josh Allen. And even when they did, he just ran out of those sacks or ran out of those pressures used his legs, and made plays down the field. He was accurate. He was throwing the ball on the line. It wasn't as if he was, as I mentioned, he was making the plays down the field. It wasn't as if he was just having these five- and six-yard dump-offs. They were going for, like, chunk plays and backbreakers, man. It's brutal. And there's not much you could do when that happens. So, yeah, I feel like this should be more credit to Dable and the Bills and Josh Allen for making plays because over the season, the 49ers, they've been top 10, top 12 in pretty much every defensive metric that matters. And he was essentially throwing the kitchen sink at him with simulated pressures, fire zone blitzes. uh, And they just had coverage bust after coverage bust because Allen would force them to cover twice in one play, essentially, because he was extending play. So props to him, man. He looked like Captain America out there. Yeah, the 49ers weren't able to get a whole lot of pressure on him. But when they did, Allen was extremely effective on the move. I actually post a few clips of that on the uh, on the Twitter machine at Michael Kist NFL. You can find three really fantastic throws from Allen on the move. Let me let me put this question to you, to you, Kyle, as a kind of a follow up. Do you think Salah should get an NFL coaching gig? Do you think he's deserving? I do. I think he's been he's proven that over the last two seasons. Obviously, 2019. I mean, he had a loaded defense and they were historically good. And this year 
he's gone from historically good to really, really good. And that's kind yeah. of changed the mindset of the fans because it wasn't as good as 2019. But they've, they've been prepared each game. And obviously, you know, you're going to look at the last game and be like, what do you mean? They just gave up 30 points. But yeah. no, he's he's been he's been as good as you could ask for considering the circumstances because they've been hit with COVID. They've been hit with season injured in ending injuries and they just haven't had a pass rush to save their life all season so what he's been able to do has been pretty impressive regardless yeah I think when you look at it and you see that okay number one defenses top five defenses tend to regress at a higher rate anyway and then you see that they go from an elite pass rush to a pretty average to below average pass rush because of those injuries that you mentioned it does make life so much harder on a defensive coordinator and look that was a long way to say that Josh Allen was my number one quarterback performance of the week Congratulations to him. Uh, somebody from Bill's Mafia, please send me the Josh Allen apology form. I will gladly fill it out. Uh, of the options on why I got it wrong on Allen, I think Mercury being in retrograde is one of the most applicable here. I like that option. And, and look, I think Josh Allen is having a really doggone good season, way beyond my expectations. I think above the expectations of many in the media, as Buff Bill's Mafia will obviously point out to you. But he does kind of have these lulls, like, and, and I thought he was mostly excellent from weeks one through four. Then weeks five through eight, he, there's a bit of a coming to earth, but he was still fine. Week nine, he had that banger against Seattle. Then against the Cardinals and the Chargers, he's a little bit sleepy, but he woke up for this one against the 49ers. And I think that's just kind of what you know quality quarterbacks go through throughout the year, unless you're one of those elite of the elite. Um, so I would love to see some more consistency from him just to bring that floor up just a little bit. But I don't think there's any doubt that uh, he's special overall and he's having an easy top 10 season this year. So the Bills, they got to be thrilled uh, after having wandered through the QB desert for so long. Anyway, I digress. Let's bang through the rest of this list because I'm excited to talk with Melvin Gordon of the Broncos here in a bit. Number two quarterback performance of the week. You know, I had a feeling Aaron Rodgers was going to rip up the Eagles. I said as much on the Kiss and Solak preview show for Bleeding Green Nation, and that's exactly what they did. 25 for 34, 295, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. And look, the Eagles were able to get pressure on him at a 36% clip, which is solid. But Rodgers went... Six for 11, 105 yards, and a touchdown on those pressure dropbacks. One of the better passer ratings under pressure for the week. Dude was locked in. I mean, it's ho-hum. Another elite performance from Rodgers, who has really recovered from that what the 10-point the outing against the Bucks, where they had his number. But PFF noted uh, in their charting that he didn't have a single quarterback fault incompletion and had six big-time throws in this one. So from bell to bell, he was magnificent. Uh, super fun for me to watch in my coverage of the Eagles. Uh, let, let's go right to my number three. My number three performance of the week is Baker Mayfield. I have a lot of questions about this one. Baker Mayfield of the Cleveland Browns and Kyle, there's there's some interesting angles to talk about here. I talked about this on Monday, Football Monday, in terms of both complimenting Baker Mayfield's play, but also recognizing the situation was set up perfectly for him to thrive. Mike Vrabel got gut punched by Kevin Stefanski for 60 straight minutes, schemed the pants off of him. And on top of it, the Titans couldn't get any pressure. There's numbers to back that up. PFF has that pressure rate at a paltry 11.4%, only four dropbacks. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks thrive with that type of protection. So credit to Baker for playing mistake-free football. And Kyle, I'll, I'll submit the same questions uh, to you that I tried to answer on Monday. The first one being, does this game tell you anything you didn't know about Baker? Like, were you surprised that he thrived in this environment? Does it move the needle for you? Because regardless of the context, he was really thriving in this one. I mean, the guy had a drop touchdown on the first drive on a slant to Donovan Peoples-Jones, and he still threw four first-half touchdowns. So 
Does that shift opinion on him at all based on what we've seen on uh, of him throughout his career? Not really, just because what we've seen is he thrives when he doesn't have to, you know, when he doesn't have to worry about the threat of pressure, when he's not facing the Ravens and the Steelers, essentially. And yeah. the Titans, they're known for not being able to get pressure. They don't have a pass rusher. And it seemed like he was just playing seven on seven all afternoon. The Titans just were not able to generate any sort of pressure. He was able to stand back, scan the field, make throws. I mean, he made plays, so you do give him credit for that. But it didn't seem like the Titans were even coming close to challenging him as a quarterback. So it's it's tough to to come out. And obviously, when that happens, you see everybody go, "Where are the Baker Mayfield haters now?" Well, <laughs> um, I don't like I don't know how much credit we're supposed to give to him. But I think the more concerning part is uh, the Titans' defense for sure. I think it says more about the Browns overall than it does about Baker. I think we kind of understand what Baker is. We've tried to figure this out throughout the season, but like this game script and the situation was absolutely perfect for him. And Baker is good enough to thrive in that. He's also got the got the floor where he can struggle when things aren't so well set up, when they don't have a lead, when play action isn't working as well, when the Titans don't bust so much. The second question about the Titans, uh, they have kind of flirted with being one of the better two-tier teams uh, in the league, but their defensive issues loom too large do you you have any kind of confidence in them to be a serious contender in the playoffs they haven't really proven that they can get a stop they they struggled against the texans when bob was still on the the texans and calling plays so we haven't had it they haven't given us a reason so i don't think that they're going to do any damage i mean they're they're near the bottom in in a lot of defensive stats that that actually matter so and I'm not sure that their offense is as good or, you know, Arthur Smith, he seems like the type that's going to run the same four or five plays every game. And why wouldn't you? Because they always work. But eventually you're going to have to get stops on defense. And we haven't seen them be able to do that against quality competition anyway, when it matters. So because of that, I don't think that the Titans are going to be much of a threat. Yeah, I, I think some of the defensive issues get solved with the return of Adoree Jackson. But, the, but that's been its own saga as he's tried to work his way back. He's had some setbacks. Uh, the, the other outside corner, Brian Borders, who was filling in for him, he got eaten up this game after having been quietly not terrible over the past couple of weeks. So the quicker Adoree can get back, the better. But he's also not rushing the passer. So they need better from their defensive line outside of Jeffrey Simmons because uh, that was a pretty pathetic showing. And even then, their issues against play action are well documented and could kick in a hyperdrive against the right team in the playoffs, not unlike they did in this one against the play action heavy Browns. Uh, but time will tell for the Titans. I do think their offense is more set up this year than it was last year. You have the breakout of Corey Davis, A.J. Brown. Uh, we know what he is now. John Smith looks great. Arthur Smith, I I do agree that he wants to run the same four to five plays, but I do think we've seen some more creativity from him in the past few weeks after he received some uh, some criticism for being a little bit vanilla there from the Nashville media. But again, time will tell. And it is uh, time for us to get to break. And when we come back, we are going to sit down with our guest, Broncos running back Melvin Gordon, in a very special interview that we know you, gentle listener, will enjoy. That's coming up right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 
360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Palpably Unfair podcast. Michael Kist, Kyle Posey, the SB Nation NFL show. You know the deal. Subscribe, rate, review. Listen to our interview with Broncos running back Melvin Gordon. I've teased it long enough. Let's kick it to that right now. Melvin, welcome into the SB Nation NFL show. How you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Solid. Just got out of practice, a little tired, but you know, overall, solid. Yeah, I appreciate you you taking the time to speak with us here. And uh, let, let's talk about this Denver offense that you're involved with before we get into some of the film breakdowns and whatnot. When you look around at the weapons that you have there in Denver, from quarterback to the wide receivers that you're playing with to the tight ends, there's a lot of talent on this Denver offense. Can you kind of speak to what makes you excited about being on this team um that we that you, i mean you just said it we have a lot of talent you know a lot of guys that can make plays you know i think us being young we just got to figure out how to how to feed off each other your energy how to go out here and play together as a unit um we just got to learn how to win as a team you know um we are young but after this year that's no longer an excuse it's time to go for sure and speaking of the offense man a couple of weeks ago the broncos found themselves in a situation where due to COVID protocols you guys had to play a game with practice squad receiver Kendall Hinton. Uh, what was that week of prep like? And did you take advantage of that opportunity to maybe lobby for a special trick play, maybe a halfback pass? Were you trying to be the quarterback? What was that like? Well, we didn't know till Saturday, so we kind of – it, it kind of sucked because we had a whole game plan. And, and then Saturday we were scrambling around trying to figure out what to do. You know, had to really change our whole game plan up in the day. Every day prior to that was pretty much pointless. <laughs> we ran none of those plays. It, started, it kind of sucked, um, to be honest. But it's just kind of the cards we were dealt. So we had to just, you know, we didn't have time to put in really trick plays. We just, we literally ran probably three plays the whole game. Have you th- have you thrown a pass in your career? Do you think if they they had asked you to do it, you could have you could have tossed one maybe twenty thirty yards down the field? Uh, I got a couple things going on, kind of prevent me from throwing. But I have thrown before, not in the league, not in the NFL, but. I did one time in college, and I did one time in high school. Oh, okay. Did you complete those? I wanted to. College, I got destroyed. <laughs> Trying to throw it. I got destroyed in college. High school, I threw a dime. Oh, yeah? Ball. Yeah, it was done. Was that, was that a trick play? Was that the dime? It was, a trick, it was a, tri- a trick play. Like a little toss, and then, you know, go a couple yards, and... I'm left-handed, so they never seen it coming. There you go. I'm left-handed too, and that's how that's why it works for uh, old Jarvis Landry too. When he does it, they can they can yeah. do different spots. Hey, let's let's take a look at. So I told you I wanted to take a look at a couple of films here and get maybe a little bit nerdy with you if I, if I could. So we wanted to take a look at a couple of of explosive runs that you've had recently. Uh, the first one I kind of wanted to look at was the the 20 yard touchdown that you had against Miami. And, and just to kind of set the stage here. It's second and three on the Miami 20-yard line. You're going to have a, a pulling guard here. Can you kind of go through your thought process on this play when you take the handoff, what you're reading, what you're looking for from the defense, your offense, things like that, certain keys? Well, it's really the pulling guard, really. The crazy thing about that play is it hits different every time. Sometimes it go inside, sometimes it go outside. So you have to be patient but not too patient. Because if he hooks the guy, you got to get out there with speed. Um, I mean, we all know how fast these guys are. 
And if he kicks him out, you got to get up inside because it's a lot of stuff going on inside. So really, it just it, it opened up well. You know, I was able to get inside. I was able to be patient. And I kind of just exploded through. You have that linebacker that, that comes in that the tight end kind of seals for you. He's kind of peeking inside. Are you reading his helmet? And then when he spins, is that when you decide to come back inside? Kind of, like I said, it's like you're really reading the guard, but it's like, I mean, you you paying attention really to it all. You got to – it's really a feel, man. It's it, Like I said, it hits – it's hard to say because it hits different literally every time. Yeah. Every time you run it, it's different. When you when you look at a physical specimen like me, now I played some running back in Pee Wee football. <laughs> do do you think if we're in a goal line situation, you had a one yard touchdown in this game too, if I'm not mistaken. Do you think if I was given enough tries that I could score a one yard touchdown, even if the blocking wasn't wasn't perfect? Uh, it depends. How, <laughs> you know, you 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 strong. You know what I'm saying? You get not hit. You got some. Oh, it's, it might be a little tough. It's real in there. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, yep. it's all about a mindset and that goal line because everything is 10 times faster. And guys, it's like, I mean, and you have to think, like, within a snap. You have to choose a decision and go with it. And for guys in front of you, you got to be able to plow through them. So, you know, if you got a little lead on you know, in your legs, you might be all right. But, uh, you know, if you can think fast, you, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It'd be tough. I've skipped every single leg day in my life, so I, I think oh, yeah, that's going to yeah, be a big yeah. issue. It's dark for you in there, Dan. Let's uh, let's move on to you against the Chiefs this past week. So earlier in the game, you had a run where it looked like you might break one, but you lose your footing. And then later on in the game, you have a 65-yard run, so it's third and three. Uh, you guys are in 11 personnel. I couldn't tell if it's whether it's the power play, whether it's a trap influence play, but this just seems like – what is your comfort zone going back to your Wisconsin days? Can you kind of walk us through that play? And who are you? Are you doing the same thing, trying to play cat and mouse with a linebacker? Or who are you reading? And how does it just walk us through that play? Well, it's, I mean, you're just reading it. I mean, it's a simple power play. I mean, it's bread and butter. I mean, everybody down from, you know, little league to uh, to the league, everybody does it. Um, you know, we just kind of caught them off guard with it and, it was pretty blocked up. I mean, I honestly, I just ran straight. I was just a little patient and let the boys clear the hole. <laughs> I mean, it was wide open. It, it wasn't really too much reading. If you <laughs> you miss that as a back, it's, it's it's pretty dark for you. And somebody somebody else should probably be in there at that point. But um, you know, they blocked it up pretty well. It was really just off to the races. I'm kind of kind of pissed I got caught because uh, you know, a lot of people was you know showing me love, but every single one of my friends was just like, bro, like you got caught like what's like you lost a step what's going on like you straight i'm like man i've recorded a 21 point you know since zero six so it's not like i was moving slow it's just <laughs> he was moving a little faster that's all talk about that what is, what is it like being walked down so do, do they make fun of you in the in the film room or like how does that work uh not really i mean they i mean we we crack jokes about it a little bit like man you gotta score but it ain't too crazy because he did have a good angle it's not like he was behind me and and hawk me down. He he had a nice angle on me. So, um, but it's just the thought. Like you get in open field. I mean, you don't get there often. Uh, you know, you probably get one or two maybe a year where you get wide open plays like that. So you know, when you get them, people expect you to score. You know, and if you don't, it's it's only right that they give you trash. You mentioned the miles per hour. I'm assuming that's from next gen. Is that something that y'all kind of kind of track and like kind of compare with each other throughout the league? Nah, nah, okay. not really. It just it was just sent to me. I seen it. My Strength coach has said it, and I'm glad he told me. And then I end up seeing it anyways on Twitter, so I okay. just kind of posted it and added Madden, so they bring my rating up a little bit at least. Jeez. What's your What's your rating right now? 
I don't even know. I haven't even looked. I, I shoot, man. They probably got me at a sixty-seven. <laughs> that's, tough. that's tough, man. You look around the league and you see it's getting a little bit harder for running backs to get paid. You see all these analytics guys on Twitter saying that running backs don't matter, things of that nature. What do you What do you say to people that kind of devalue the running back position? You know, at this point, man, it's it's really not even you know worth speaking on. You know, because people going feel how they feel um you know we've so many times us back backs in the league as a whole have been saying what we can you know you know trying to defend each other trying to defend ourselves and to letting people know you know how much our position and what it means on the field you know because we have to pretty much do a lot and you know they they continue to to downplay us and you know so there's no point even talking about it at this point people going to people gonna feel how they feel so it is what it is. So you talk about just the, the top running backs. Let's say it's third and three in the same position that we just talked about on the, on the Chiefs play. You have five running backs. Which five running backs are you choosing, not named Melvin Gordon, if you need three yards in the NFL? I need three yards. Uh, I'm going to go with Joe Mixon, uh, Derrick Henry. I'll go Le'Veon. Okay. That's three. Yeah. Um, Careful, they may Saquon. hear this. i go Saquon. Saquon. Healthy. You got one more. This is going on the internet, so be careful. <laughs> trying to think of all the backs. I'm trying to. I was just talking Saints Day. Is Alvin Kamara in that? Yeah, he can go in there. Okay, okay. We could throw, we could throw Alvin in there. That was going to be real bad if you said no. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. Alvin, Alvin run hard. I, I, the, the way he breaks tackles is kind of crazy, to be honest. Yeah. He's got good body control. Who's a running back that's kind of off the radar? Maybe from a casual fan's point of view that is well respected in the NFL. Ah. <sighs> I mean, Josh Jacobs, I mean, he's starting to get some respect. Yeah. I don't think he get I don't think he gets enough as much as he should, but that's definitely a back. I mean, he's he's starting to build his name up, but he's definitely a back that's not talked about as much as other backs are, and he should be. Yeah. Kiss asked you whether he could get one yard in the NFL. Looking at me, knowing that you guys had Kendall Hinton, could I complete a pass in the NFL? Could you complete a pass? Nah. Yeah, <laughs> but it's harder than you. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I give you not, not, not your first game, no. Your first game, no. Not your first game, because it's so, it's so, it's so much faster. I mean, you ain't playing on, you know, you played in a D1 college yet or something like that. Only a re- like receiver, so no chance. I played high school quarterback. That's it. Oh uh, yeah, see what I'm saying? And the speed different there. So to think you gonna jump out, skip a level, come to the highest level, right. and play quarterback. <laughs> People gonna be out there moving so fast, man. You are gonna be so flustered. You ain't gonna know what to do, man. Nah, I give you second game. I give you. I give you a pass. I give you one. First game, nah. <laughs> uh-uh. All right, Melvin. La- last question for you. If your clone shows up right now, what are you doing? Oh my, my. I'm gonna tell him he gotta come in to practice tomorrow. Like, you gotta come. <laughs> you come in to practice tomorrow, bro. I'm chilling, bro. I need a couple of days. <laughs> you go ahead and practice, bro. For real. Are you gonna hook? Are you gonna hook him up after that? You're gonna keep using him just for practices while you go play the games and get your body right and whatnot. Because you know that might turn on you. Yeah, I show him a little love. You know, what I'm saying I give you a couple of dollars from the check. You know what I mean? But. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he he definitely heading out to practice tomorrow. The way I'm tired of him right now, he's for <laughs> sure going to practice tomorrow. No question. And you better not mess up the plays. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Melvin. I appreciate the time, man. Any any last words for the listeners before we before we let you go? 
Anything you want to get out there? Broncos country. That, that's the thing. Yeah. Broncos country. <laughs> Broncos country, baby. Broncos All right, country, man. baby. I appreciate you, brother. Take care. All right, man. Yeah, you guys be good. Thank you to Melvin Gordon for stopping by and giving us some time during this busy time for him. Can't imagine what else he would be doing. But, Kyle, that was fun. Uh, Let's have some more fun. Let's get into Kyle's three defensive MVPs for week 13 of NFL action. Each week, he picks a defender from each level. So let's start in the trenches. And this was a guy that I flagged you on on Sunday, and I'm excited to talk about because I've never said that this was a reach or a bad pick. Kyle, who impressed you from the defensive line on Sunday? Yeah, Cleveland Flair is going to have a bad rap for the rest of his career because of where he was drafted, and that's through no fault of his own, obviously. Right. As you mentioned, me and you and the majority of the draft community have always been high on Farrell because of performances <laughs> like Sunday. He was everywhere against the Jets. He finished with a pair of sacks. He had a QB hit and a few other pressures where he was living in the backfield. He added four stops. He batted a pass on the way to a screen pass. He was just active all day. ESPN Seth Wilder tweeted that Farrell's pass rush win rate was 37.5% on the afternoon. An average afternoon for most players is 18%. So for those of you that cannot math, being 19% above average is ideal. Farrell's first QB hit came when he fought through a double team on third down. And I'm always going to slant for people that really have that third down production. Mind you, this is coming against Makai Becton, who is going to be an absolute star in the league. Uh, Farrell had a rep where earlier in the game where he rips past Becton on a shoot, makes a shoestring tackle in the backfield. Later in that same drive, he beat Becton around the corner. And that was essentially just a speed rush. He turned that into a sack fumble. He also had another rep where he rushed inside from three technique. Ripped through again for a sack fumble. He was all over the place, man. So it was just good to see him be active for the Raiders and, you know, kind of live up to that high draft status for at least a week. I mean, that's that's kind of what you want to see. And and, and good for him for, for coming on like that. Like you said, he gets criticized a lot, but that's not his fault. It's kind of where he was uh, selected. Mike Mayock obviously uh, taking a swing on that one, but maybe it's finally paying off for him. Let's go to the second level of the defense. And this is a guy that I've actually... Uh, really low-key liked for a long time now because he's been quietly solid, uh, a Patriots-type guy uh, in, 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 in every manner. Kyle, who was your linebacker of the week? Yeah, last week we talked about how the Patriots missed Dante Hightower just for being a heads-up kind of player that just hides a lot of the, the bad plays that you've seen from the Patriots this year. And Kyle Van Noy is another player that just doesn't make mental mistakes. And he always seems to be in the right area. And, and that's probably why, you know, player, guys like you and guys like myself gravitate towards him because he just doesn't make those type of mistakes. On the afternoon, Van Noy finished with six run stops. He also played well in underneath coverage. And it felt like he had 16 sacks in the game. He was just living in the Bengals' backfield on one sack. He was a QB spy where the quarterback just held the ball. He went and got him, made the play. On another sack, he kind of stunted through the line, timed it very well, went around the left guard, had another sack there. And then there was another one where he just beat the right guard with a jab step. It was really impressive where he was just winning on just all different types of pass rushes. You know you're good when you can play underneath in coverage where you can rush the pass or just play as a stand-up linebacker. And that's the kind of value that Van Noy brings to the Dolphins. There was another player, and I mentioned he's not going to be flashy, and that's not where he's going to win with. He's not going to wow you with athleticism. He's just sound and he's smart. 
And he had a play where he just set the edge, disengaged, and made a tackle in the backfield. Those are the types of plays Van Noy makes. Yeah, and you can see why Brian Flores wanted to bring him over, and he's thriving in a in a similar scheme to what he was doing in uh, in New England. And again, still quietly solid. And uh, speaking of the Patriots, we have the Patriots coming up on uh, Thursday night football. That is to what is what is today? Today is Wednesday. Yeah, we're doing this on Wednesday. I know what day it is. I'm an adult. So on uh, Thursday night football, it's the Patriots and the Rams. You know, something you, you kind of clicked something in my head there. We need to come up with a list of like football guy guys, right? Like guys that only football guys were like really recognize and appreciate. Like for the Patriots, I, I, I kind of appreciate Chase Winovich more than a lot of people do, I think. For the Steelers, I think uh, their nickel corner, Mike Hilton, has been solid and underrated for years. One of the better blitzing cornerbacks in the league, and he had a really good game on Sunday, too. Uh, let's, let's, with DBs, let's keep it with DBs here. Let's get to your third level. Let's talk about a guy that we've actually, we've criticized earlier in the season. I mean, he's a rookie. You're going to get taught lessons in the NFL by veterans. That is going to happen, uh, regardless but this time he was the one giving out the lessons who was your uh, defensive back of week 13 i cannot tell you how long i've been waiting to put cameron dance on me. <laughs> um he was a big draft crush of mine coming out i wasn't uh, really as bothered by dancers 40 just because he was always in position to make a play and as you mentioned it hasn't been a great rookie year because when you are a rookie teams will target you and they will find what you don't do not do well and they will take advantage of that and that's what teams have done and against the jags he just looked like a competent confident player so dancer was targeted seven times he only gave up one catch for three yards he had a forced fumble he also had an interception and both of those kind of just showed what the type of playmaker that dancer can be but the real reason he's on this list is for his route recognition so he was running the routes for the receiver, for the Jags receivers. And he was also forcing incompletions, whether it was in man coverage where he jumped a, a comeback route or an in-breaking route where on the interception where he just literally took the ball from the receiver. There was another play where he's in zone coverage because they like to play him as a cloud corner with that length. And he gets back to the honey hole and contest the corner route. So I just like to see him force incompletions, be active. And on both of his turnovers, as I mentioned, he, he's taking the ball away from the receiver. So it's nice to be, see him be competitive. And that's the type of player Dancer is capable of being. He's talented, and the Vikings are going to need that type of consistency from the young guy. And it was just good to see the rookie play at a high level. Were you? Did you fall in love with Dantzler because of the Jamar Chase game? from LSU covering the very talented wide receiver Jamar Chase that's going to be a, probably a top 10 pick in the NFL uh, draft this year. Was that the one that did it for you? That didn't hurt, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but honestly, there were every SEC game. You don't really see SEC corners. like You're going to have some sort of inconsistent game against one of the top receivers. But for Dantzler, that didn't that didn't happen. Like I couldn't find I a game where it's like, wait, why why don't people like him that's when i have that type of reaction i'm going to be high on a player so it's it's glad i'm good to see him and show showcase some of those draft traits that we saw whether it's the length whether it's staying in phase and just competing and that's what it really comes down to where he's in phase to make a position um he hasn't really been in phase a whole bunch this year so it was good to see that on Sunday. So maybe the Vikings got a good one as Dantzler continues his development and his year of drinking through a fire hose like every uh, like every rookie does. But So that's going to do it for the, the Palpably Unfair podcast, episode 14. Kyle, before we get out of here, any last words for the gentle listeners? Any uh, any more football guy guys you want to shout out? What you got? I got nothing, man. I, I, I'm... I think I'm going to spend my day making a list, though, because yeah. there, there's going to be a lot of just obscure players that, you know, we're not we're going to not going to be able to name right now. 
But as soon as you look at a roster list or a team, you're like, how did I forget that dude right there? So, yeah, that's that's a good idea. We'll come up with that list and we'll talk about some football guy guys to watch out for on Sundays and get you some new uh, low key favorites to watch. So that's that's the homework assignment. Send us yours. Let us know what you think at me at Michael Kist NFL at KP underscore show. Let us know a player you think is really underappreciated, like really under the radar. Maybe we'll watch them and we'll give them a we'll tell you if you're an idiot or if we think you're a genius. We'll find out. That's what the Palpably Unfair podcast is all about. So we'll catch you next week. Go dominate. Have yourselves a day.